Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be here again. Um, my wife and I have been in ministry for 16 years in Alaska. We, um, we have two adult children that are married and four grandkids, so we're very proud of that fact. Um, we've had an opportunity in the last couple of years to expand our horizons from Alaska to the Middle East. It's kind of a big stretch, but the Lord has really uh, opened some doors for us. We've been asked to go to the Middle East and um, work with Muslims in particular, and in, in doing so, we have been um, taking in medical teams primarily, and uh, Ginger's had opportunities to do women's trips over there. It's amazing to see what God's doing in the Middle East. I, if I hadn't seen it for myself, I, I wouldn't have believed it, but God is revealing himself to people in the Middle East in powerful ways. And by my estimation, I'm seeing them as truth seekers because they, they've just never heard the truth. So when you get an opportunity to share the gospel or just the person of Jesus Christ with them, they're like, that's what we've been waiting for. You know, they understand that Islam leaves them wanting. Islam is a precarious religion and they're, you know, they're born into it. So they really don't want it. So when they hear truth, they really resonate with it. So that's very exciting for us. Um, a year ago, Ginger went on a mission trip um, to Jordan to work with Syrian refugees and uh, got a chance to share the gospel and really minister to some of the needs. There's lots of um, despair, uh, lots of uh, post-traumatic stress that these women were suffering. They, they showed Ginger one picture of uh, a baby. It was a picture on some kid had it on his iPhone, and it was a baby torn out of its mother's womb with the umbilical cord still attached. And they, they show it without any expression or emotion. It's just uh, war-torn individuals that um, desperately need help. And so she was able to, to come alongside in a very powerful way. But in that, in that time, 25 people came to know the Lord. I was there recently, just a few months ago, in the same area, and I'm, and I'm amused at this fact because it was in the, the town of Zarka. And if you follow any of the terrorist groups, Al Zarqawi, one of the top 10 terrorists, that was his village. So we're able to be right in his village sharing the gospel. But from the time Ginger was there a year ago to the time that I was there, 35 new churches started in that area. And we're just seeing God open doors and move back borders like we've never seen before. Fast forward into Alaska, we have recently made a, a significant move. We were living in Soldatna, which is on the road system, but we've been asked to go out into a village community to work with native youth. These are college-age kids. They've all graduated. They've all made a profession of Christ, but they wanted to be discipled. So they asked if we would go out and live in the village and disciple them for a year at a time. So living with them in and amongst um, their culture and teaching them life skills and biblical principles. So we're very excited about that. The, the change for us is that it's 150 miles off the road system. So the only way you can get there is by plane. So we were kind of looking at the map the other night, and basically from here to the coast is not, well, it's, it's a little over 150 miles, but down to Los Angeles or past Bakersfield, um, or Fresno rather, imagine all that without any roads. That's, that's what we're up against. And there are no stores in our village either. So once a month, we will fly out to get the provisions we need and then bring them back and, and uh, live amongst these kids. So we're very excited what the Lord is doing. 
But I want to take you on a little bit of a journey this morning of what the Lord's been doing in my heart, my wife's heart recently. And I want to start in Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. If you'd join me there, I'll begin to read chapter 2. And you'll recognize this as the Beatitudes. And opening his mouth, he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Join me in prayer, please. Father, thank you again for this time that we can look into your word. But more importantly, Father, may we see your heart. May we know your heart. I pray that we would all be able to enter into relationship with you and to really understand what's going on with us and with you. And we pray this in your great name. Amen. You know, this morning, I would like us to come away with three things that we need to understand. We need to understand that God knows what's in our heart. We need to understand what's in our heart. And we need to understand that God, I'm sorry, we need to understand God's heart. So those three things, as we look at scripture, we're always seeing how God is wanting us to enter into relationship. So if we look at the Beatitudes and we look at how this could relate to relationship, many people get caught up with the blessing. So if I, if I do these things, then I'll be blessed by God. Blessing was the premise, but the doing is not the condition. Did you notice? Let me just get to the point of the condition. It's in verse 11. Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. See, that's the condition. So now if we marry up the condition with the premise, let me read it again. On account of me, you're blessed when you're poor. On account of me, you're blessed when you mourn. On account of me, you're blessed when you're gentle. On account of me, you're blessed when you're merciful. On account of me, you're blessed when you're pure in heart. On account of me, you're blessed when you're a peacemaker. On account of me, you're blessed when you're persecuted. On account of me, you're blessed when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. So now it's not a list of things to do for God, but rather it's our posture before God. These are all circumstances of life that bring us to an understanding of what's in our heart. Like I was saying, Ginger was planning for this trip to the Middle East, and in the process of this, it was a fairly expensive trip, and so we're praying for the funds and the logistics, and, and as we are, I'm saying, time is short, and, and the deadline was coming up, and, and so for me, I said, well, obviously the Lord doesn't want you to go because he's not providing at this time. I was caught by my own words because I often say it's never about the money, And so Ginger was saying, Lord, if you really want me to go on this trip, would you provide a way for me? As she's praying for that, she comes back to the same text 
And she says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? She began to press into Father and know his goodness. You see, twice in Scripture, that word blessed are the poor in spirit comes up. The first word is panace, which means poor, but still able to get up, do something for yourself, make a way for yourself. The other word is patokos, which means abject poverty. There's nothing you can do for yourself but beg. That's the word that's used here. Blessed are the poor in spirit, patokos. So Ginger says, Father, teach me to beg. And she starts to tell me about this, and I'm saying, you don't want to do that. We were homeless for about two years at one time, and I thought, I never want to go back to what that was like. And she's saying, no, I want to press into the goodness of Father. I want to know what it means to beg, Patokos. So as she's studying this and praying for this, praying for this trip, literally before she gets up from her study, the phone rings, and it was the mayor's office in her town. And they asked, they said, the mayor needs an executive assistant. Your name came up, and we see that you're more than qualified, and you come highly recommended. Would you consider the position? She says, I've never done anything like that. They said, we know who you are. If you want the position, all you have to do is come up. Doing the paperwork is merely a formality. You've got the job if you want it. So she went down there and talked to him about it, and sure enough, it was for a period of time, and the amount of time would pay for the entire cost of the trip. God provided exactly what that was. We got to see Potokos in action. But it doesn't stop there, because in the process of all this, you know, I've been a, a Christian a long time, but I started to have a little bit of pushback, a little bit of reservation about Ginger going to the Middle East, and, and you know, we, we typically do things together, so for her to go without me, uh, it didn't set well. And so I, I know things about my wife. I know that she doesn't sleep well when she's not at home, and, and I know that I take care of her bags, and I try to make her comfortable, and, and I take care of some logistic issues, and I provide security, and I got her back. And so I'm saying, Lord, if, if I'm not there to watch over her, who's going to do this? And he's like, Eric, don't you understand that I love her with a righteous and a pure love? I love her more than you possibly could. It wasn't long after that that I've been grappling with this the whole time, but as we're driving through town, this car came careening. It was out of control. I didn't have many options. If I turned to the left, it was going to be head on. If I stayed there, it was going to be a direct hit. We just kind of rode it out, and all of a sudden, that car corrected, and it was a non-event. But just at that moment, Father reminded me, it's like, Eric, see, I've got this. There is not one thing you can do to alter her life by one second. Will you trust me? Like, okay, Father. I'm beginning to understand. I'm beginning to understand what's in my heart about this. See, I say I believe you. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not fully committed. He's saying, I want to see, I'm testing you to see what's in your heart so that you know what's in your heart. Like, okay, Lord. So in the process of that, the funds came in and Ginger gets to go to 
Jordan, and I see her to the airport, and she says to me, take my coat. You know, it was 30 below, or 30 degrees when she left Alaska, and, and it was 90 in Jordan. She says, I'm not going to need my coat. Just make sure you bring it back when you pick me up. And so I kiss her goodbye, and off she goes. So about a day and a half later, I get the dreaded 3 a.m. phone call. You know the phone call. Your feet don't hit the ground, but your mind is raced to see every corner, and you answer the phone, and you're not wanting to hear what's on the other end. And, and it was the vice president of E3, and he said, Sorry. something happened, and Ginger can't go with us. It's funny, I, I think of this story and it chokes me up every time, but they had to go without her and leave her in Paris. I'm saying, Lord, that's exactly my fear. I can't be there to protect her. What's going on here? Again, he reminds me in his tender way, Eric, if you trust me, I got this. You see, when we travel to the Middle East, we wear those pouches inside our shirts that have our passport, our driver's license, an ID, and some money. Well, on the flight, she had taken that off to get into her passport, and it ended up on the seat next to her. And then something got set on top of it. So when they deplaned, she didn't have that with her. So when she got into the terminal, she didn't have anything. She lost her identity. It was gone. They wouldn't allow her to continue so now she's by herself in Paris with no money, no ID, no credit cards, nothing. And she's reminded of this verse, Patokos being poor in spirit. So she's saying, Father, here I am. She wakes up early that next morning and goes down into the lobby about 6 o'clock and she knew she needed to get to the U.S. consulate in order to get the passports and to move forward in this process. <clears throat> And she sees a couple over there, and she says, do you speak English? Yeah, we live in Florida, and we're heading home. <laughs> and she said, the Lord brought you to me today. She began to explain her situation. Well, that lady knew how to catch the train, where the U.S. consulate was, the times of where things were. And then she asked her, she said, it's all outside. It's, it's freezing outside. You see, there was this huge storm that came in into Paris, an, an unusual storm that just snarled traffic. There were 20,000 cars on the streets that night, and she's now in, Latin, in Paris without a coat. And so this lady says, here, take mine. And she reaches in her bag and pulls out not just any coat, but it was a beautiful wool coat, something that she wouldn't even buy for herself. It was too nice. But she continued to pull out a brand new pair of gloves and a scarf. She said, here, you'll need these. Patokos. God provided exactly what she needed. <clears throat> While God's doing all that for her, I'm home dealing with, <laughs> how can I help? What can I do? There's absolutely nothing I could do. I was calling the airlines. I was trying to schedule flights. I was trying to do all this stuff. As we, as we later talked about these things and talked about God's provision, both of us realized that neither one of us felt alone or afraid. 
that God was providing his presence for us. Well, this lady's husband, he said, you know, all this stuff is miles away. And you, how much money do you have? She said, I've got a little bit. He said, no, I don't want you to travel without any money. So he reached in his pocket and he pulled out 250 euros, which is about $300. Again, God provided everything she needed. You see, we can know the heart of Father. I have here a list of 53 verses, and I'm just going to read them to you. I'm not going to read all the context and all the chapter and verse, but just the highlight of each verse as a letter to you. So you can try and see the heart of Father. It starts out, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all your ways. The very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, for you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were created. I chose you when I planned creation. You are not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I have determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I brought you forth on the day when you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who don't know me. I am not distant and angry, but I am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love upon you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am your perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider, and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope, because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sands on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you. You are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and all my soul, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart, for it is I who give you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I am also Father who comforts you in all your trouble. When you are heartbroken, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes, and I will take away all the pain that you have suffered in this earth. I am your father, and I love you even as I have loved my son Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He has come to demonstrate that I am for you, not against you. And I tell you that I'm not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I love that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home and I'll throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. I have always been father and I will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? 
I am waiting for you. And this is signed, love your dad, almighty God. You see, we come to a crossroads when we see things like the Beatitudes. These all reflected a circumstance of life, a choice we have to make. So when we come to a choice or a decision about something that's hard, you see, most of us have experienced loss. Many of you here today may have lost a loved one, a child, a spouse, suffering from cancer, abuses. It brings us to a crossroads. That crossroads will either draw us away from Father or allow us to press into Father. So he's saying, if you know my heart, you'll know that I'm for you. My scripture is given so that you can know my heart. When we are faced with those circumstances in life, we cannot let them define who we are, but rather let them confirm the goodness of Father. True story. In the Middle East, there were three missionaries that were captured this year. The American forces went in to rescue them. In the process, they broke in and they found them. The three men were huddled on the floor. As they came in, the rescuer said, we're the Americans, we're here to take you home, let's go. They sat there, they stared, motionless, expressionless at the floor. One of the rescuers reached over and he said, he put his hand on the man's shoulder and he, he said, we're here to take you home. He recoiled at the touch of his rescuer. He thought, what's going on here? So here's what he did. He got down on his knees. He took off his helmet. He took off his vest and he laid them aside. And he got into where they were and he pulled them up close. He took their hands. He put them to his face. He says, I'm one of you. I'm here to take you home. Will you trust me? I love that story because is that not what Father did for us? When he came from glory, he set aside his glory came in and entered our world. He said, I'm one of you. Will you trust me? Will you believe I, I have good for you, good intentions? I love this last one here. You are my treasured possession. You see, that's the heart of Father that we can know. So again, those three things. Father knows what's in our heart. He wants us to know what's in our heart. But he also wants us to know his heart. So as you grapple with those things in life concerning the struggles, we've had four friends this year with loved ones that were killed or passed away. Two of them were killed in plane crashes and both of them, their spouses, like, if this is the case, God is not good. Why would he take my husband away? And they pushed away from him. See, they had a choice to make. Or the other two, they said, Father's allowed me to have a wonderful husband all these years, to walk with him and to pray with him, to have life together. It's all the goodness and the faithfulness of God. That's the decision that's in our heart. Only we can get to that point through the circumstances. So circumstances will come, 
What is our choice going to be? I got an email from a friend, <clears throat> from a guy in the Middle East, who E3 has the privilege of working with. This was given out in December, uh, I'm sorry, in January, and I've kept it. I just want to share this with you. I'm going to leave out some of the details for security reasons, but he writes from an Iranian prison. <clears throat> Dear brothers and sisters, we are celebrating Christmas in prison with honor and unexplainable joy. 2013 was going to end, and we are very thankful to the Lord for everything that we have been given this year. I have called 2013 the year of revelation. I'm now very excited because I'm calling 2014 the year of God's presence. <clears throat> God calls us to walk before him and to be blameless. As he said to Abraham, so far walking before him has been very sweet and so exciting. It has been filled with great endurance, <clears throat> afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, sleepless nights, Catch this. hunger, purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit's genuine love, truthful speech, and the power of God. So my dear brothers and sisters, if you're reading this, be ready for a very exciting year in 2014. Thank you so much for remembering me in your prayers after 1,100 days. Family, that's Patokos. Poor in spirit, he got it. So the Lord has had us on an incredible journey over the last couple of years of pressing back into him. Like I said, I've been a Christian a long time, and I thought I knew things, but God is weeding out those things. There might be things in your lives here this week. You see, if we read Scripture for information's sake, it becomes history, and it turns into religion. But if we read it with relationship, it becomes personal. And that's the heart of Father. He's wanting to be personal with us. Ginger and I have been uh, privileged to uh, <clears throat> do both. You know, it's, like I was saying, it's, it's a big stretch between Alaska and, and the Middle East. And uh, this last year, just going to the Middle East, that very trip that I was sharing about Ginger going was this trip where 25 people got saved and now 35 churches. God had a plan for her going, a very strong purpose but we had to work out the issues of our own heart to fully align ourselves with what God's plan was. So as you're thinking about the rest of this year, what is God's plan? And perhaps would you be willing to ask what it means to be poor in spirit? Don't ask that question unless you want God to change your heart. God has been working a great deal in my heart lately and I so appreciated the songs this morning, that, that first song that we sang, Touching the Heart of God. This is what touches the heart of God, that we can press back in and understand his goodness and his purpose. So thank you for allowing us to come and be part of your missions plan this go around. And um, Don, 
Let me pray and dismiss this. Uh, hope you'll all stick around and have some lunch, visit with our missionaries, visit with each other. I know in the busyness of life, we don't all get a chance to see and talk with uh, even folks in our own church family. So hang around if you would. Father, we uh, thank you and ask that you bless Eric and Ginger with many, many, many years more of faithful service in taking the gospel to folks who need to hear it. Uh, bless them, continue to work out their itineraries. Um, Lord, I know they're looking for an airplane that will be dependable for them to go into the bush in Alaska. Pray that you will provide for that. And Lord, I just pray that you will help us all now as we enjoy your blessings, uh, the blessings of friends and fellowship and the joy of serving you together. Uh, Lord, just bless our time that we have for the rest of this, this day together here. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.